This episode of the TCIA podcast is brought to you by the brand new TCI Magazine website, the digital supplement to the most widely read periodical in the tree care industry. No matter where you are in the world, you can have the top-notch content, timely industry updates, and cutting-edge advertisers you have come to expect from TCI Magazine for the past 30 years, all in the palm of your hand. The fully responsive TCI Magazine website breaks down years of content into neatly organized categories, specific to certain aspects of tree care businesses, making it easy to navigate and find articles on exactly what you're looking for. You can discuss articles in real time through the new commenting feature, as well as share articles with friends, family, and colleagues through vastly improved social sharing. We've also been listening to you, our readers, over the years, and to make the content more accessible than ever, we have included article translations for Spanish, French, German, Portuguese, and Tagalog. If English isn't your primary language, you can still enjoy the experience of reading TCI Magazine. So head over to tcimag.tcia.org to check out the brand new TCI Magazine website, the official website of the most widely read periodical in the tree care industry. That's tcimag.tcia.org. If I talk like I talk naturally, you're going to be like cutting out some swear words. The tree care industry has stories and knowledge just waiting to be explored. We'll have a variety of expert guests and innovators from all corners of the industry sharing their stories and extensive knowledge on our show. On this episode of the TCIA podcast, we sit down with Noboyer, Jim Houston, and Stephanie Drago and talk about small companies, large companies, and everything in between. Noel is a CTSP and the owner of All About Trees, and Jim is a vice president and general manager at the Davy Tree Expert Company. Stephanie is the member experience manager at TCIA, and additionally, both Noel and Jim both serve on TCIA's board of directors. Okay, so uh, forever wants to answer this one first. How did you get your start in the tree care industry? Because a lot of people. All right. So basically almost everybody I've talked to so far has said that they kind of stumble into the tree care industry, that it found them, not they found it. Is that accurate for either one of you guys? Go ahead, Noel. All right. I'll, I'll jump on this one. Um, I, I definitely stumbled into the tree care industry, much like nearly everybody that I know that's in the tree care industry. I've, I've, I've met a few people that have uh, deliber- deliberately ended up here, but I've also most of the people that I know have just stumbled into it. So like I was a, uh, I was a farm kid raised out in, in the middle of BFE and we heated our house with firewood. And so, you know, part of my entire childhood was, you know, every summer making sure that we had cut enough trees and firewood stocked up by the house so that we could make it through the winter. Um, so I was, you know, kind of around, you know, chainsaw work and, and tree cutting and felling and stuff like that as a kid. Uh, but then, the way I stumbled into the tree business was I went and got a degree in psychology, which if anybody knows what you can do with a bachelor's in psychology, it's not a whole hell of a lot. And uh, I pretty much needed a job when I got out of college. And so I took a job for seven bucks an hour at a local tree care company, just dragging brush. And, uh, you know, they, they called me the branch manager because I needed to manage to get the branches into the chipper. And, uh, but I had a, a boss that was a really good teacher and started teaching me how to climb. And next thing you know, it took me to a couple of climbing competitions. And, and that really was what locked me in. I never really intended to stay there. It was going to be a part-time temporary thing, but the, 
the, the climbing competitions, I kind of started doing really well at that. And then I ended up staying because, because you like doing the things that you're good at. No, definitely. That sounds pretty much like everybody else seems to have found it where you just end up with it. Um, Jim, how did you get your start? Um, so some, some friends of mine um, had a small little tree care company that I started uh, working for in summertime in high school. And it was just kind of a, a part-time job, like, you know, during the summer months. And, uh, I, you know, I fell in love with it right away. Um, it, took, it took a little while convincing my father that this was a real profession. Um, and I, I didn't at that point really think it was going to be a profession. Um, you know, I went off to school. My dad was always in finance. He kind of saw me somewhere in that same spectrum. Um, and when I, got, when I got done with that, you know, um, I had been doing tree work part-time for years at that point. Um, I really um, enjoyed it and continued from there, working for uh, different companies, my wife-to-be at that time. And I, after college, went out to Southern California to visit my grandmother. And I landed a job within about a month with a tree care company. And we stayed out there for like three and a half years. And I was doing tree work out there as well. And so I was pretty much hooked at that point. Um, but it's still, I don't think it was really widely accepted um, with my father that this was a real industry. And so... Um, you know, I, I started my own business when we came home back to the Midwest and we started our family. Um, and, you know, I was pretty bored with that after a while. I mean, we'd grown and it was, it was pretty successful. And so I, I sold that off and um, came to Davy Tree as a, as a challenge. And, um, you know, they've, they've kept me busy. I think about probably about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And I'm exaggerating a little bit because I tease my father about this a lot. But he finally accepted this might be a real profession and, and that my family's going to be okay. And, it's been a great ride. I guess following up with that is, did you ever think that you were going to work for a company like Davey? You know, um, it's funny because, you know, I really, I enjoyed having my own business and there was, it was, it was tremendous. And, you know, TCIA wasn't what it is today and NAA was popular or, or was around then, but I was hungry for a change. I was hungry for more knowledge. It seems like every 10 years or so I get, uh, I can get kind of bored and um, I was at that point. And so I was at a point where I was either going to have to go get some serious capital to take it to another level or and which I really uh, I, I didn't really want to do that. I wanted something new. It was almost like I I'd been there, done that. It was really successful. Uh, it still is actually out there. And so a friend of mine in the industry actually said, you ought to go uh, talk to Davey. And I, of course, I knew of Davey, you know, I'm, I'm from Northeast Ohio where Davey started. And so I did, I went in and, and talked to Davey. My mother-in-law actually found an ad in the paper when I started talking about doing something different and mentioned Davey. And I went in for an interview and uh, when I saw the career opportunities uh, that really, and I saw the, how uh, within Davey that all the promotions are from within, that's what really had me hooked. Cause here was a career ladder that, um, that they laid out for me right in the interview. I scribbled it out on a legal pad. I'll never forget it. And it talked about coming in and um, working working your way up through the ranks. That was enticing to me as well as the training and education. That's what really was, had me hooked is the opportunities around training and education for myself to better deepen my knowledge of a Boer culture. And Noel, you took a different route. Can you describe how you ended up where you are today? Uh, yeah. And, and honestly, I've, I've enjoyed hearing Jim's part there so far because I'd never really had heard that story before and that always looking for the next challenge thing makes a little more sense to me and I and I dig it. So it was fun to hear that from you, Jim. You know, after working for this like really small mom pop company, you know, here in Springfield, Missouri, you know, it's a small town and there's not a lot of opportunity 
here in the tree world and but I had a good job with a good little company but what happened then was the company that I was working for got bought out by a larger um, regional company you know the the entire culture and structure of the company changed like literally overnight and it you know good or bad there was there was a little bit of both for me but what it really came down to was that truthfully my personality didn't fit with that larger company model um, even though, you know, right off the bat, kind of like how Jim said, they laid out a structure in front of me and I, the very first year after the buyout and I, you know, kind of by default became one of their employees, I figured out the incentive systems pretty quick and I gave myself like a $10,000 raise that first year. But when it really came down to was that I wasn't really feeling uh, satisfied or motivated at work and, and the vibe or the culture didn't really fit my personality. And so it finally came to a point after a couple of years being with the larger company that it was time for me to time for me to go. And so, you know, just by like pure serendipity, I guess, but at the moment I was about to walk out the door, another little local company that was like a 12 year company here in Springfield. And they were, it was just like a husband and wife and they had a couple of employees, but they called me and said, Hey, why don't you come and buy this thing out? We're, we're getting into real estate and just come and take this company and roll on. And <laughs> it just couldn't have been more perfect timing. And we, we settled up on an agreement for some blue clear sky. I didn't buy any of their equipment or anything, but I did purchase a name and a phone number and a customer list and some existing advertising and literally started with just me and one part-time college kid that helped me out during the day and, and kind of started completely from scratch really. And because both of you guys are coming from such different backgrounds, I think you guys have both seen the that there are stereotypes that surround both small and large companies. Um, what kind of stereotypes have you noticed that people have assumed about your companies um, that may or may not be true? And kind of how do how do we go about changing that sort of those stereotypes to become more accurate? Um, that's a good one. I think the stereotypes are changing overall within our industry. I think the level of professionalism, I think TCIA has had a big, big piece of that, has really increased the awareness. Um, kind of like my, you know, I use the analogy of my father. He wasn't, he wasn't against, um, you know, labor, and he certainly wasn't against anything like that. He just didn't, wasn't educated on uh, the science um, and skill around the work culture. We have, in the last 10 or 15 years, um, broken down that stereotype that it's just kind of a, you know, one man in a pickup truck type of industry. And I think companies, you know, like Knowles Company, for example, is a great example of it. The level of professionalism um, and the, the quality of people that a company like Knowles hire, as well as the, the TCIA has had a big piece of that, of increasing those walls a lot around the stereotypes of, of our industry. When it comes to big or small, it's hard for me to really speak to that, of uh, those stereotypes. So I don't know uh, when it comes to the stereotypes of a big company versus a small company, because I think there's such diversity amongst all the companies that are out there, big and small. It's really hard for me to see a stereotype. But I think as an industry as a whole, I think it's changing and has changed dramatically the last 15 years. So, uh, I mean, I actually think that there are some stereotypes with large and small companies that my friends in the tree business think. And, and you know, one of the things that they always think about large companies that they're, you know, they're always going to be really numbers oriented. They're always going to be really structured. And, and probably, like Jim said, there's more advancement opportunities and also probably more safety compliant where with small companies, they, I've always felt like the smaller companies are more oriented towards trees and people and less towards numbers. Uh, but also with that comes like less structure and probably less compliance. And with a small company, I feel like maybe you're 
you're getting into some more diverse work, you know, each person in the company might have to wear multiple hats where in a larger company, you probably have opportunities to become more specialized. So know how many of those stereotypes necessarily hold true all the time. Of course, there's exceptions on either side, but, uh, and, and I've been with, you know, obviously the smallest of the small companies with just basically myself and a part-time kid, but I've also been part of a, a large company too, that was a, you know, pretty decent sized regional company that, that did have all of the structure that comes with normal large companies. So uh, carrying on with the kind of small, large company, and you had brought it up before, it was the the company culture. What are your respective company cultures like? Because Noel, I mean, you showed up wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So kind of uh, walk me through about what your company culture is like. <laughs> well, I got to tell you that we are definitely a weird company. And, you know, culture is probably the thing that I feel most proud of when it comes to my company. We have a, a culture of engagement and of education and learning and advancement and, and fun. And, you know, it's, it's all these things that everybody, you know, says their company is or wants their company to be. But uh, I, I will say that in our company culture, we don't have a lot of written rules. We are, um, we kind of let the country, the culture have the power over the decisions that we make every day with, with safety and with advancement and with training and with, you know, how we do each job every day. I mean, the culture in a small company, I feel like you can have more opportunities to personalize your culture to yourself and to your people working in it versus in a larger company. I feel like you can, I have obviously companies with a great culture of of learning and success and fun, but some of the some of the things that I'm able to do in my small company are, are not really possible in large companies. And I'll, to give an example, like we, uh, I mean, we have a shop beer fridge where when we get to the back to the shop at the end of the day, if it's been one of those long, hard, shitty days, there's nothing better than all of us. You know, we sit down and in the shop and, and crack a beer and we talk about what happened that day. You know what what did we do well today? How did it go? What did we miss? And how could we do it better the next time? And one other thing that, and I'll probably drop a bomb in explaining this, but uh, in our company, whenever things are like really going well, and, and in any company, a lot of times you get to the end of the week on Friday, and you can just feel it that everybody in the company has really given 100%, you know, like you could just feel the teamwork and everybody really pulled together and the guys all just helped each other out the whole time. And so a lot of times th this isn't based on a, a number on a chart. It's not based on uh, some kind of a margin that we hit or anything like that. But whenever I feel like everybody in the company is just really giving it everything they had, we have this thing called fuck yeah Fridays where, you know, I'll show up and just hand everybody in the company two or $300 and we celebrate our success for the week. And it's really not even, necessarily a week where we've been exceptionally profitable but it's the one where we can all really feel that we've done everything we could to you know keep everybody safe uh to get through the jobs to make the customers happy to have high quality and and then the guys have a couple hundred bucks that they can hide from their wife <laughs> fuck yeah friday i'm pretty aware of it you know no, no shared that with me before i just think that's uh one of the coolest things and one of the huge advantages uh, of a small company is that type of, of stuff you can do. You know, it's, it, 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 um, I've heard stories of way back in the day within Davey where, you know, you came in at the end of the day and there'd be a 12 pack in the fridge, like Noel mentioned, and 
you know, we, we don't, we're unable to do that for insurance purposes, liability purposes. And I think those are some of the, the things that, you know, um, that you were referring to with maybe some of the stereotypes of a, of a large and small company. Um, you know, and, and Noel put it perfectly, I think there is a connotation out there that the larger companies are in for a money grab more. Um, you know, I don't really see that because it's not really what we're about here. We're employee owned. Um, but I do think he brought up some really good points of the differences between the two and, you know, his Hawaiian shirt Friday and fuck yeah Friday, I just think is some really, really neat stuff. What's uh what's company culture like on your end, Jim? Because I mean, every company is different and clearly you guys still do stuff for your employees as well. So what is it like there? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're really, you know, employee centric. We work hard to be very employee centric and we, you know, as, as an employee owned company, it, a lot of people would probably say, you know, our employee ownership, our ESOP program is, um, there's a lot of people that would, they would say that that is definitely one of the, our biggest advantage or, or probably our biggest um, benefit of being a, an employee at the Davy company. The stock has employee ownership for over 40 years of employee uh, owned company. And that's um, very, very rare. Most employee owned companies go 10, 15, uh, some maybe even 20 years before you know, they would go public and sell uh, or they would, and, and everybody's happy, everybody's benefits, everybody's happy. Um, we've gone through, I think this will be our fourth uh, generation of executive leadership remaining employee owned. And the stock has done well, you know, frankly, um, the last 40 years. And so it's been from a financial perspective, very beneficial to a lot of people. There used to be rumors flying around, you know, we had 35, 50 guys out in the field at one point that, you know, they were millionaires as, as a result of just investing a, a few bucks uh, every week out of their check in, into Davy stock. Now, those were all rumors. I don't know if you want to put that on our podcast, but um, I would, <laughs> I, I don't feel that's our, our number one. I really feel our number one uh, benefit is, is the training and education and, and the career path that Davy offers. Cause that's, you know, you can go out and blow money, but you can't take that knowledge away from, from anyone or that, lifelong career path um, that Davey uh, offers. And I think that's, that's our biggest benefit, in my opinion. Um, again, I'd probably be in the minority about that, possibly not. You know, when you look at our executive level of management within our organization, they're all people that came, came from within. You know, I mean, Pat, our CEO, you know, started off at an entry-level position. My boss, Jim Steep, an executive vice president, started off uh, in the field. Dan Joy, another executive level vice president, he, um, he started off in the field. I can, I can keep going down the list. Brent Repenning, Greg Gaina, all these guys started off in the field and worked their way up through the ranks. And I, I think it's a very unique culture in today's business world. And so I, I personally think because, you know, we have all the training of education internally to provide that knowledge. Right, cool. um, and it's stronger than it's ever been with our learning management system and the technology we're incorporating that uh, that's our biggest benefit. And so I think that culture drives a certain type of person. I think it, it also attracts a certain type of individual that I think is, is one of our strengths. It's fun with this podcast because I get to take my board member hat off because, you know, when we come into the boardroom, um, when we're, we're working for TCIA, you know, we all kind of leave our badges or our companies aside. So um, I get to brag on what I consider is the best company on the planet. Um, and it's for those, those two reasons. Uh, but my, I think our number one, culture drivers, our training and education, and the careers that that are available uh, for people in our organization. If I could expand one thing on what Jim was just saying there too, is that like some of these, you know, larger companies like Davey, although like I know that their mission is to, you know, train and educate their own 
people, but at the same time, Davey and, and other large companies out there too are, they are contributing so much training um, and information back into the industry itself that benefits all of us. And, you know, that is a, you know, I, I will, I will never like shit talk anybody for what size company they work for, because, you know, there's great small companies and there's great large companies. And, you know, a lot of these large companies are heavy, heavy contributors to training manuals that we all get to share. And there's so much information that Davey puts out there on the internet that is accessible to everybody. And so all of that training and development that's going on over there is stuff that we all get to benefit from, even if you're not a, an employee of one of those big companies. So they are, a lot of the larger companies are the ones that are really building this industry uh, as far as like helping people get the knowledge and information that they need to become better arborists. And I think that we are seeing, I mean, if you, if you look on some of the Facebook pages that I'm right on right now, you would think that arboriculture is a complete shit show, but there, I do think that we are improving as an industry as we, there's actually becoming a lot more peer pressure on all the Facebook forums and stuff like that for people to step up their game and, and join the rest of us as we move forward in safety and taking better care of trees. Yeah, that's a great point. I think no spot on again. I mean, there is a, a camaraderie with, within the industry, you know, I think, and it's because, you know, there's so much work out there. You know, you talk to 10 different tree companies all within the same market and nobody, sure, we're all competing, but nobody's fighting uh, because there's so much work out there. And so I think that does drive a culture of sharing of information, you know, and, and he mentioned some of the other companies and certainly Bartlett and Aspen fall into that camp that have always been very transparent with their, with their information. Um, as well. And, and I think that does drive the information or drive the, the, the culture of the whole industry, just like Noel said, it's well said. Well, I'm going to ask you guys to toss on your, your TCA board member hats real fast. Sorry to do this one to you. But one thing we're interested in is figuring out too, is how do your different companies utilize your TCIA membership? Because small company, big company, I mean, there's a lot for just membership in general. How do each of you guys go about using it? No, you want to go ahead? Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'll go ahead on this. And, you know, we've been, we haven't been TCI. I've owned this, I've owned my own company now for 15 years. And, and we've, you know, we've really grown from a, a company of just, you know, me and a part-time college kid up to, you know, we're still a small company. Um, we're, I think we've got 14 employees now and this is 15 years later. And, and, but this year we'll be knocking on like somewhere up close around $2 million in gross sales this year. And so we really have grown quite a bit. And the, a lot of this has come from not just the resources that I get from TCIA, cause I've been a member pretty much the whole time, but honestly, a lot of it comes from the networking um, you know, I, I go to, I've gone to winter management conference every year for the last, uh, I think nine years, uh, normally go to expo. And so those two things there is an opportunity where I've made lifelong friendships and people that I can lean on at any time. You know, some of my buddies that I've met at expo and at winter management, I mean, yes, I'm going there for the classes and yes, I'm going there to look at the new equipment and yes, I'm going there to get CEUs and more than that, I've, I've gained far more by the relationships with other people who have the same struggles as me. And that is a great place to go, to go find somebody that you can, that you can use as a mentor or, or find somebody that you would like to mentor. You know, I have people that call me all the time and when they've got questions and, and hell, I don't know, I, I'll answer them as honestly as I can, but 
um, sometimes you just got to bounce some things off of people so that you can make decisions about where you're going forward. Uh, I've got uh, myself and one of my other crew leaders that are uh, CTSPs, and that is a huge benefit for us with our insurance. Uh, we got a we got a huge break on our insurance whenever we got CTSPs. TCI Magazine, I'm I'm like read the thing front to back pretty much every month when it comes out. We buy TCI's training materials. You know, one of the things that that as as the board member that I get to see that most people don't get to see whenever they join TCIA is I get to see kind of inside the guts of this thing a little bit more. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes. You know, there's we've got lobbyists working in Washington D.C. to help with uh, some of the oppressive regulations that have been coming down on tree care companies. And I got to go to D.C. last year as we were like really making a big push for getting our own OSHA regulation, which for anybody that doesn't really know, tree care industry has not had, arboriculture hasn't had its own OSHA regulation, and TCIA has been pushing for this thing for probably close to 25 years now, because we've had members that have been getting um, written up and fined under logging and landscaping codes, because that's the only thing that they could closely relate to us. And if we could all just get on the same page with our own, you know, we have an ANSI standard that, that describes how to do tree care properly. And if we can just, you know, shift that into an OSHA standard that really is exactly for us, it will eliminate a lot of confusion. And I really believe it will make our industry safer. And so one thing that TCIA is doing right now is we are, we are like really closing in on, uh, they're on like second version writing up of OSHA standards for us that we all get to have another look at. And so I think that sometime within the next, I mean, everything moves slow in DC, but uh, I think within the next couple of years, we should see a uniform OSHA standard for arboriculture that will help us all a lot to get on the same page. And this has been going on in the background with, with, with lobbyists trying to, you know, get heard in DC so that we could get this on OSHA's table for a long time. And I'm really proud to have been a part of this one. Yeah, I think Noel really covered it extremely well. You know, starting from kind of the big picture, working down, I think from a legislative perspective, it's, it's priceless of where we, we can really uh, move the needle because we have a loud voice uh, as a result of TCIA and all of us together. And Noel mentioned just a couple of them and, and it filters through the vegetation management aspect of our industry. It goes um, far and wide. Um, and so I think that's one of the many benefits. And then if you look at the other spectrum of it, uh, you know, I mean, from our, you know, we have four different, um, four legs to our table here at Davey. You know, we have a utility division, a res our Davey resource group, uh, a commercial landscape group, and then residential commercial tree care, which is what we do. And so when you look at it from that perspective of the residential commercial um, division of our organization, they're basically, it's basically made up of, of over, you know, a hundred uh, offices that, that kind of mimic um, Knowles business. And so the information that, that flows out from TCIA and as an accredited company, each one of those have, have to represent, uh, you know, an accredited company. So they're benefiting from the knowledge that flows out of TCIA. But that information through the publication is, is a huge benefit um, to all of our employees because of, again, it's, it's about sharing of knowledge, certainly from a technical standpoint and from a science perspective. But I think more of just what Noel talked about from a business perspective. And we all know that when you talk around tree climbers, it's a very close-knit group of people that have a bond because we're going up into trees. You know, we're climbing trees, the oldest living organism on the planet, and maintaining those. 
and, and not so much from a danger perspective, but from a purpose perspective. And so I think when you bring everybody together as TCIA does, it really provides a powerful group of people that can, that can move different legislative ideas and uh, essentially, as Noel said, make us a much safer industry. I think that's well said. Stephanie, before I switch directions, do you have any other thing that you want to touch base about with TCIA or membership or anything like that? Well, I think, I think both of you hit it on the head when you were discussing networking. One of the things I hear about working in the membership side are both small and large companies value those networking opportunities as more so than the resources. Um, and they are using the resources and the, the support but the opportunity, as you said, to bounce ideas off of each other and just be able to make those connections. So if you and your family are traveling, you know, from Pennsylvania to Maine, hey, I'm up in Maine, let's hang out and work together. I see a lot of that on our social media. Our members are coming together from various places, maybe not so much anymore, but previously they were able to, you know, have double crews for the day and hang out for the day and work for the day. And how do you, you know, that knowledge trickling down it, it does extend out beyond Expo. Uh, you make those relationships, you hang out in the real life, you exchange those safety precautions. You know, I, I hear of very green, small companies who come in and dial into their resources and, and they're following the path and they're doing their education and they're doing their tailgates. But when they come to Expo, it, it's great for us as staff that first morning when everybody's lined up at the ribbon cutting ceremony and everybody's eyes are like the kids in the candy store on Christmas morning. And it's the excitement, but then they take that home and they bring their training to each other. And, and I think that's so valuable. And I thank you both for sharing your perspectives. Uh, you know, for us as staff members, it's great to hear both how small and large companies are utilizing. We're always evaluating and we wanna make sure that we're helping our membership on you know all levels as best we can. So the feedback's very important. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Yeah, that, that was very well said. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I was off the fly, so definitely from the heart. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with Nolan Jim about small companies and large companies as we take a look into how do you choose which company is right for you. The TCIA podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to previous episodes, visit us at podcast.tcia.org.